So Travis, if I was trying to <coughs> butter up mom, what would you say I should do? Butter her up? You mean get on her good side? Yeah. Why? What did you do, Joel? Or are you trying to get her to give you something? Just a hypothetical question, no r real reason. Uh, right. Maybe you should just listen to the kids' corner instead. Sorry I'm late, Congressman Nate. Bus had a flat tire. Never mind. What's the schedule for this morning, Laura? This morning, after the usual radio program, you're going to publicly make a large donation to the Home for Lost Puppies. Then you'll be speaking against the fossil fuel incentives in Alaska. Wait. How am I going to get to Alaska? My private jet's out of commission. You won't be speaking in Alaska. You'll be speaking against the incentives in Alaska. But you just said... Well, well, well. If it isn't my political rival and his clipboard-toting lackey, how's the campaign going? I hear it's mighty cold in Alaska this time of year. He's not going... Not as cold as your chances of winning this election, Monica. We're going to show the country that we are the champions of good and justice in this world. Right. And you're going to do that by kissing puppies and hightailing it to some frozen wasteland? He's not going... I have a lot of other things going on. I'm going to help clean up the garbage in the Hudson. I'm going to cut the ribbon of the new hospital. I'm going to release a new population of timber wolves in Yellowstone. Actually, the timber wolves are a no-go. No-go? No-go. Why no-go? Imaging says it's a bad look for the campaign. What's bad about wolves? You know what? I'm not sure why I even put effort into this. You make it so easy. Good point. So why don't you stop running? Because unlike you, I take pride in serving my country. See you in November. Watch out for Alaskan Timberwolves. He's not going to Alaska! But you said I was. You're going to listen to a radio program. See? The schedule. What about Alaska? Program. Listen. Now. What's going on? Hi, Monica. I was just looking at this book about dogs. Dogs? Is your family going to get a dog or something? No, we have a fish. Mom says that's plenty. Oh, but you're hoping to have a dog someday? It, it might be nice, but for now, I have this book. And Flynn, of course. Oh, right. Hi, Flynn. So is Mr. Jacobs around? I think so. He was on the phone with Miss Fiona last I knew. I kind of lost track while I was listening to the radio. Okay, are there any signs in here? No? Good. <sighs> What's going on today? Um, not much. I'm reading about dogs. And I just got here. So what's all this about signs? Didn't we talk about signs a while ago? Not signs from God, Nate. The little signs in people's lawns, they're everywhere. Oh, you mean the voting signs? I don't know, I guess. It's just signs talking about Congress people and presidents and mayors. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. Of course you've seen them. You can't miss them. It's like all the roads in the neighborhood have turned into the paint aisle at a hardware store. Huh? You know, with all those little colorful cards. Eh? Never mind. When Mr. Jacobs shows up, I can ask him about them. Well, he's on the phone right now. Want to listen to the radio while you wait? Sure, I guess. Oh, hey, kids. Sorry, I didn't realize there were so many of you here. That's all right. We've been listening to the radio and reading up on Alaska and stuff. Laura had a question for you, though. I did? Oh, oh yeah, right, I did. Oh, okay. What kind of biblical conundrum are we going to talk about today? 
I don't know if it's biblical, really. Just something I was wondering about. Changing it up a little, huh? I'll see what I can do, I suppose. Great. What's with all those signs I see along the road? Not traffic signs. Right, thanks, Nate. Not traffic signs. I think you're going to need to be a little more specific. She means those voting signs everyone has out. Oh, you mean the signs for the elections. What about them? Apparently, everyone but me knows what they're for. Honestly, I just find them annoying. It's the same six signs over and over and over. <laughs> I guess they do seem pretty repetitive. But it's all part of the campaign process. If you want people to vote for your candidate, you put up a sign. And that works? It must have some effect. I'm not quite sure how. But people do it every four years, so maybe. So is that how you become president? Whoever puts up the most signs? There's got to be more to it than that. There is. A lot of times people vote for candidates who have big personalities or say things that make people feel good about themselves. Other times, those running for office do deeds of generosity and kindness so that voters see that they are good people and can be trusted to be in charge. See, that makes more sense. A sign is just a sign. If you actually do some good in the world, you've got my attention. Yeah, who'd vote for a jerk? <laughs> That's exactly what those running for office are thinking. If they do enough good deeds, people will pay attention and hopefully vote for them. After all, who could vote against someone who opens hospitals, feeds the poor, and kisses babies? Kisses babies? Yeah, like I said, I get it. But it makes me wonder. Wonder what, Laura? Are these good things just an act? I mean, anybody can be nice, but inside they could be a regular old monster of a person. That's true, and I actually have a drama script that describes what the Bible has to say about that. Wait, God has something to say in the Bible about all this? I thought this wasn't a biblical subject. I don't have to get the script if you don't want me to. Come on, Mr. Jacobs, you know we want you to. <laughs> I'll be right back. And now, from the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the dusty drama, The Bone Museum, an adapted biblical teaching about hypocrisy. Once upon a time in the pleasant city of Tinkerton, there was a museum. Step right up to the Bone Museum. Long bones, big bones, frog bones, pig bones. As far as museums go, it wasn't that exciting. Of course it's exciting, it's bones. Don't be so marrow-minded. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, that was a good one. That's what I get for trying to be humorous. Every so often, a visitor would pay admission to see what the museum was like. This should be interesting. But they left feeling rather underwhelmed. It was nothing but shelves upon shelves of dusty, crusty, musty old bones. I mean, I know that's what's on the brochure, but I was expecting something good. Business wasn't good for the museum. People told their friends who told their friends that this was a bad museum and there were many other places of interest in the city and they weren't half as depressing. Like the actual cemetery. One day, a van pulled up to the museum and an aesthetic designer stepped out. Hmm, no, no, hmm, maybe, no, no. All right, I have what I need. Put up the drop cloths, boys. We've got a makeover emergency and it's serious. Who are you? I'm Julian Lone Star, renovator and contractor. In short, this museum needs a makeover, and I'm the artist who's going to make it happen. Jerome, I need two espressos pronto. 
Daylight's burning and I'm not paying to heat to the outdoors. Whoa, fancy. And indeed, Julian and his team did make the museum fancy. They changed the color from bone white to bright orange. They replanted the gardens and repaired the front steps. By the end of the summer, they had transformed the museum from drab and gloomy to alive and vibrant. It's perfect. Thank you so much, Julian. My pleasure, Miss Toombs. Enjoy the museum business. Jerome and I are off to spruce up the Golden Gate Bridge. Can you believe with a name like that some bozo painted it red? A couple of days later, posters went up all over town declaring the grand reopening of Shade Schoolette. Or as I like to call it, the home on the day of the reopening, hundreds gathered outside to see the new and improved Bone Museum. I wonder if they've got new displays and specimens. There's no telling what's been added. I can't wait to see. Welcome, one and all, to the home of the Bones, where we never met a tarsal we didn't like. Step right in. Ticket, please. Thank you. Come on, folks, step inside. And what the visitors saw when they got inside was astounding. They haven't changed anything. All the work they did was on the outside. It's all still just shelves and shelves of dusty, crusty, musty bones. Where's the exit? I want my money back. The moral is that sometimes we try to do good things to make other people like us. That might work for a while, but God sees through the outside and sees the inside. And if we don't let him come in and change us on the inside, we still will be full of really gross things. Kind of like a fancy museum full of dusty, crusty, musty old bones. Okay, Mr. Jacobs, I've got questions. That's usually the case. What can I do for you, Nate? Before the drama, we were talking about the people who are trying to get elected and how they do good stuff to get people to like them. Right. Well, then you said if we do that, we are only making the outside of us look good, and on the inside, we can still be full of bad stuff, even though we look good on the outside. Yep, Matthew 23. Okay, so what you're saying is that all of those people are really bad inside? <laughs> well, a lot of people think so, but before I can say anything on that front, we've got to take a look at the verses in Matthew 7. There Jesus tells us that before we go around saying that people are not living the way God wants them to live, we need to take a look at our own lives first. Do you do good things so people like you? Well, sometimes. Yeah, I kind of do. But aren't we supposed to do good things? Of course we are. But we need to do them for the right reasons. Jesus says earlier in the same sermon that when we do good things so people can see them, it has to be because we want to show them how good God is. After that, he warns us not to do good things in front of people to get their approval because in the end, that's all we'll have. And that's something that a lot of politicians know all too well can disappear in an instant. It's easy to know when we're doing things for ourselves, but how do we know when we're doing good things for God? Good question. And the first step is to admit that we aren't always giving God the credit for our good deeds, whether by our words or our attitude. This can be pretty hard for a lot of people. And that's why it's important to ask God to make it clear when you aren't serving Him and to help you to stop serving yourself. Yeah, praying about it is a good place to start. Indeed. But on the other hand, it's important not to stop doing good things out of fear that you might mess up. 
God doesn't want us to be afraid to do good because we might make a mistake. Because when we trust Him to help us, that's when we find ourselves doing amazing things for God. Good, because I'll definitely need His help. Me too. The last thing I can think of is instead of thinking of it as your duty to serve God, realize that these are things you will do automatically when you love God. If you love someone, you don't want to hurt him, right? Same with God. When you love him, you will do everything you can to make him happy. And lucky for us, that's what we were designed to do. Like it says in Ephesians 2.10. Cool. I don't think I'll ever look at one of those signs the same way after this. Glad to hear it. Did that answer all of your questions, Nate? Most of them. I might have to talk to my parents or my Sunday school teacher about this some more. Sounds like a good idea. Well, speaking of parents, I've got to go. Mom's taking me to the eye doctor. See you guys later. <laughs> good one. What? Oh, yeah. Bye. I've got to go, too. Thanks for talking, Mr. Jacobs. My garage is always open, Laura. Take care. You kids want to turn the radio off on your way out? Okay. <laughs> 